Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city. Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. Great. So excited to have you here, Jeff. Jeff Stein. Uh, you are a medical doctor. You run your own clinic called Stein Medical Clinic. That's right. Clinics. I'm not sure. Do you have more than one? Yes, we have three clinics. Three, three yes. clinics. Three okay. clinics downtown Vancouver. Okay. Nice well, to be here, Andrew. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for coming today. Look, we got a lot of a uh, lot of uh, topics to cover here in a fairly short time. We'll talk about your clinics in a bit, but let's just first of all dive right into the medical system in BC. Here's an observation. Yeah, I'd like you to comment on this. It seems to me most people I know don't have a dedicated, you know, family doctor like mm-hmm. they would have had when I was growing up as a kid in Port Alberni. Yeah it, yeah, it it seems like people just go to medical clinic. You know, myself for years been just going to a medical clinic, whatever whoever's available, because it's so hard to get a doctor to take you on as a client, as a cust- uh, uh, a patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems like we have this shortage of doctors. And when I've looked at this uh, this blue book that shows mm-hmm. the amount um, that GPs get paid versus specialists, it seems to me, especially in Vancouver, you want you want to talk about affordability of housing and mm-hmm. professionals that get paid. Like it seems like doctors, MP, uh, G, uh, general practitioners, GPs mm-hmm. in Vancouver really don't get paid very much, considering how much it costs to live in the city. What are your thoughts on? Yeah, on that? I think that's a fair, fair, fair statement. If I yeah. go back to, to you know, I grew up on the North Shore. In those days, the good old days, we had uh, family doctors. Family doctors were uh, part of the hospital. I ended up working after uh, uh, starting in the uh, the late '80s at Lionsgate Hospital. I do merge shifts, surgery assist. I deliver babies. Uh, everyone would want hospital privileges. We never really complained complained about the the cost of living. I think we did quite well. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, we we were a tight community. Yeah. And part of that community was having a family doctor. Yeah. Uh, continuity of care. Yeah. Uh, so uh, over the years, I, I ended up uh, setting up about 16 years ago a walk-in clinic. It yeah. Quickly morphed to a second clinic and a, a third. Yeah. And. Um, what happened was that uh, our, our, our walk-in clinics became more than uh, urgent care centers. They became the family practice home for many patients because sure. in a rapidly growing uh, population as Vancouver is, people didn't have family doctors. Yeah. So over the course of about uh, 13 years, we had 900,000 patient visits, wow. a caseload of about 35,000 patients, and a team, a core team of eight family doctors. Eight people. That's eight, it. Eight family doctors. Wow. Right. Wow. So, um, for nine hundred thousand patient visits, patient right? Visits in the course so, of, uh, well, well, of the course of 13, 13, 13 and a half wow. years. So, yeah. so we became so busy, yeah. we couldn't keep up with the demand. The phones yeah. were ringing off the hook, and uh, with, and I remember this, Jeff, because uh, way before <laughs> you and I ever met. I used to go to your clinic. Did you? Yeah, yeah. years ago, like going ten back ten years ago. Yeah, you were a hockey player, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. And I was just, I just remember somebody saying like I couldn't get myself a family doctor, and someone said to me, "Oh, you should go down to Stein. That place great. They'll take you in right away." Yeah. And I I remember going down there, and I was like, it was, it was like Grand Central Station. Seemed like everybody working downtown Vancouver would go to your clinics. Yeah, yeah. We 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 took great pride in providing quality care. Yeah. And we had a. uh, in the glory days, a real team of uh, of uh, collegial uh, experienced doctors, yeah. right? Where we knew specialists, we'd make phone calls. We'd really be champions of the patient care as right. primary care providers. Yeah, and we'd often follow ups. We'd often we'd be on call for the patients. Yeah, so uh, a very enjoyable, uh, but at times very uh, hectic and demanding type of uh, a practice. Right, yeah. we became uh, not only family doctors, but uh, uh, an urgent care center for, yeah. for, for downtown Vancouver. Right. So, and, so, and so, so it morphed into something much bigger than I guess you maybe originally anticipated. Is that what? Yeah. So, so Andrew, uh, two and a half years ago, yeah. I made a decision that, uh, some of our senior doctors were slowing down and, yeah. uh, uh, approaching retirement. Yeah. And, uh, one of our, our, um, uh, our, our experienced female doctors was leaving on a maternity leave. Yeah. So, it was very difficult to attract new doctors to the practice, yeah. right? There, there's a huge shortage of family doctors. Okay, so my observation is yes. spot on. There's a shortage of family a, a, doctors. A huge shortage, yeah. right? I don't know whose phone that is. Maybe we can 
Uh, is that yours, Jeff? Uh, yeah, we'll just, just here. We'll just turn this off and get it out of our hair here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell us the so, doctor's phone's uh, going off yeah, every yeah. thirty okay. seconds. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. Where your patients so, are, they have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I, I, downtown, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, it, it, I think it's fair to guess that fifty percent of people, right? There's a lot of people that live downtown and yeah. a lot of people that c- commute. That's okay? right. Yeah. But often healthcare needs are needed in the place of work where people yeah, are sure. from, from eight to six or yeah. nine to five. Yeah, absolutely. So we just got swamped, right? Okay. I, I think downtown Vancouver doesn't need 10 more family doctors, but we probably need about 50 family doctors, right? So 50, 50, 50. <laughs> okay. You know, and when we look at specialists, okay, so it was Jeff, just to give me some yeah, numbers here. Okay. What is a typical family doctor? What would, what does it today, what does a typical family doctor take on as far as a patient load? I don't even know what your metrics are that you measure by. You'd mentioned visits yeah. versus patients. Yeah. You, what do you, how do you measure it? Okay. So you look, you can look at a day, right? Yeah. Typically working a, a Monday to Friday day and there's call also provided, right? It's a responsibility to our patients. Okay. okay. So we'd probably see about 35 patients a day per doctor. Okay. Right. You can kind of see anywhere depending on complexity between four to five an hour. Okay. okay. So our days begin at often eight o'clock and then we end up writing up the charts and making uh, referrals to specialists and yeah. probably get home leaving the office at about six. So if you're okay. seeing, if you're seeing 35 patients a day, yeah. how many hours are you probably working to do to be able to to be able in. to do that. Yeah. Uh, Are you showing up at work at eight and leaving at six kind of thing? Or? Leaving at six with a little bit of work, maybe coming in the next day at seven to catch up. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, they're, they're easily eight to 10 hour days. Okay. okay? And, um, uh, the, what, what's happened is that the complexities of the visits over the years have, have changed, right? Okay. These are not simple, quick, walk in because a, a fam, patients have family doctors and they'll see their family doctor in the morning or the next week. Okay. okay. So, um, th- will be a- anywhere from, uh, dealing with a, a motor vehicle accident to, uh, to a laceration, a work safe uh, injury yeah. to a, a patient with pneumonia, a patient with chest pain, yeah. a, a chase patient with a cancer that we're following. Yeah. So we were doing, all the referrals, the follow-ups as the family doctor. And, and when you say were, is that not the case today or you still no, are? No, because I, I basically, yeah, made this decision as doctors were retiring yeah. and the, the, the clinics were becoming so overwhelmingly busy. Yeah. Like we'd have a lineup of 20 deep in the morning at, at you know, 7.30 yeah. to get in and the phones would be ringing off the hook and with all the... The the administration, the way medicine works, right? Uh, There's some areas of administration I think that could be improved, right? So uh, we we still are obligated to fax all medical information, right? Fax? To fax. Do you have a fax machine? No. No. Okay. I don't even know what so, Ross ever seen. Have you ever seen a fax machine, Ross? I, no, right? I, I have no idea what, what a fax machine is. So, 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 so hopefully this will change very soon. But, it's unbelievable. Uh, but it creates a lot of redundancy in the workplace. No kidding. And uh, we have to uh, who also... Are you, who are you faxing to? What are you faxing? We're faxing all specialist referrals and test results to different specialists that we refer to. And who makes the stand? Like, is it just, is this just a, no it, one's moved it, out of the it, stone it, ages or is it, is like the I, government's I, I, actually I think it, it must be a, a decision that was made uh, through the Canadian Medical Association years ago, right? Thinking that, you know, fax is, is very secure because nobody uses it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, except for doctors <laughs> but, but also there's, there's something called, uh, you, you know, uh, HIPAA compliance secured uh, email. Right. I think we all do our banking and book an, an air yeah, flight on for sure. online for years. Yeah. So when you look at the business model, yeah. if you want to go, go there of, of saying a shortage of doctors, right? Yeah. Um, running uh, uh, two, three busy walk-in clinics yeah. and having the responsibilities of, of not only the quality of patient care, but of keeping a staff happy, paying the monthly rent. When you look at overhead, right? Sure. In downtown Vancouver, it's huge. Like right? what percentage is your overhead probably of your our own overhead, top, top line billings? Our overhead was running at 50%. 50%. Yeah. 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 
And then... Uh, so when I see... So if I see a, a GP, because of course this information is public here in British Columbia, for better or for worse. Yeah. And I see a GP that's got billings of, uh, you know, $180,000 mm-hmm. and they're running in downtown Vancouver. They've got a, a, maybe a partner and they're running a practice in downtown Vancouver. Yes. After, before taxes, but after those expenses, they're probably only at 90. That's about right. You know, and then they got to pay tax. And then they got to pay tax. Yeah. Which the Liberal government isn't super friendly to you guys anymore with the whole getting rid of the sprinkling act. I know. It's yeah. uh, it, there's a huge squeeze happening yeah. at many levels, right? Yeah. And uh, so, so going going so, back to so going back to a, a typical doctor servicing a client. You said thirty five a day. Thirty five a day. Okay. And, uh, and we we probably and how many, get how many how, yeah. like on average how many? I'm just going to run the math on yeah. this. So how many how many times a year do you typically was a t- how many times does a patient typically come see their GP? I would say uh, if we looked at the the median, it's yeah. probably uh, uh, three or four times, right? Okay. Uh, on the on the ranges that some patients that need to see us for certain things, uh, you know, every month, yeah, right? Sure. But but, but, then other but, people, but I, I think if we say uh, four, uh, times. four times okay. a year, right? Okay. And how many? How many do most? I mean, like for example, my wife's a dentist. Most dentists don't work more than four four days out of the week, yes, right? It's yes, because they get exhausted. Yeah. Um. What about GPs? Do most GPs work five days a week? Are they most of them working? I think mo- most do. Most do. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we, so, and how many? And how many weeks? I mean, I guess uh, you're probably going to be working about out of 52 weeks, maybe 48 or 40, 47 weeks out of the year. Yeah, I think we fair. can we can take uh, six weeks off a. a, a Okay. To, to sometimes. So we'll say, so let's say 46 weeks. Okay. And you're going to see, uh, uh, so that's 46 times five. So mm-hmm. that's 230 working days, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes sense. The standard working uh, days are about 220. That's kind of the, okay. the, 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 okay. the, the, the corporate average. So let's just say 220 yeah. working days out of the year. And you're going to, you're going to see 35 people. So that's 7,700 patients. Yes. Patient visits divide by four because they assume each patient sees you about yeah. So that means you're going to see 1,900 patients. So mm-hmm. just just short of 2,000. Okay. Now, yes. now Vancouver proper alone, never mind, I don't know what the stats are for downtown Vancouver, but Vancouver brings in something like 30,000 new migrants, meaning people from outside of Vancouver. And mm-hmm. They don't have to come from another country or even another province. They mm-hmm. may just be coming from a small town in the north, but there's about 30,000 people a year that comes in. And so if you just look at that number alone and they all need a GP, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's new. That's not, that's not just moving from one jurisdiction to another. It's not going yeah. from Burnaby to Richmond to Vang. That's divide by 2000 means you need at least 15 new GPs every single year yes. coming on board Yeah, just in Vancouver proper. So I don't think I'm far off by saying, you know, 50. No, is, is, no because is if you haven't had 15, right? if you only had, you know, five new GPs this year, yeah, and you because you got to look at the net too, right? If you have five GPs, if you had ten GPs um, come on board in Vancouver, but five also retired, you're net five. Mm-hmm. And you you know just doing my math on this, you're going to need a net fifteen every single year. Yes. So yes. you know if you have only net out, if you like in 2019, if you have a net increase of only ten, that carries five over to the next year. Now you need twenty the next That's year. That's right. Yeah, and it builds up, which makes makes goes back to what my view is, and sounds like you're you're supporting that, which is that. It's like harder and harder to get a GP. It's it's very very challenging, right? Uh, so where's the bottleneck, Jeff? Like, so, is it is okay. it we're not producing enough GPs at medical school? Are not not enough uh, wanting to go in yeah. and become a GP because they don't get paid enough? Is there just not enough space? Yeah, yeah. So so what five is, five, is, five years ago, one mm-hmm. of our physicians that's been in practice eight years, her husband's a a dentist. Okay. Right. So you think, can they have two children? Yeah. Right. Uh, they, they just honestly, uh, a, a dentist and a, and a family doctor, right. Two young kids. Yeah. You know, they, they, they wanted a, a home and a backyard, but they never saw in Vancouver, right. They yeah. it, it, working, working really hard. Yeah. They, they moved to Calgary, right. Right. They moved to Calgary yeah. because they could have a, a house and have maybe slow down their workload a little right. bit. Okay, and so 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 Vancouver is an expensive place. It's yeah. it's a, an ex, expensive place for professionals, right? right? For physicians. When right? when the patient comes and visits a GP, 
what do they get? Is it does it depend yeah. on the purpose or does yeah, it? Yeah, that's uh, probably surprising to most people, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, we we've done different polls over the over the the years, yeah. and, I, and I think a lot of people say sixty, eighty, a hundred dollars a visit, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and I would it, expect you get a hundred. Hundred, it's thirty dollars and change, right? Thirty, thirty dollars and change. Wow! And then you apply the overhead to that. Yeah, right. That's so it. Thirty bucks. That that's it. That's it, right? There's now. Uh, it, does uh, it uh, depend on where you live? Like, would a oh, GP in Cranbrook get paid less than? I mean, do you get it, paid more to be in Vancouver? No, it's actually the opposite, right? If you're in outlying areas, right? Uh-huh. So there's a, a, a type of pay where there's, I think it's a 10% set applied to different areas where they do need doctor, doctors, right? So let's say underserviced rural areas, right? Where there's not a doctor or uh, uh, outside of greater Vancouver, certainly there's probably, I think, a 10% uh, surplus charged on the, uh, the medical service uh, uh, fee schedule that comes to the doctors. Mm-hmm. But I would... I would say that uh, shining light on being a Vancouver doctor of 30 years experience, that downtown is the most underserviced area in British Columbia. Sure. Right. We, but, we, we, but what do you see the reason for that as being? Is it that it's just too it, far too prohibitive to live here? And so you just don't have a job. Well, I, I think a, a few things. You have a fastly growing population. Yeah. Uh, we're all faced with uh, expensive housing. Yeah. Right. And yeah. expensive living. And uh, the fee schedule for the physician, right, is uh, I think it's taken about uh, 30 years to double. Okay. So 30 years on that basic office. So you're telling me that like five years ago, it was like the same. No, no problem. Yeah. If you need to take it, go ahead. I mean, you no, are a doctor. Just a, and a, that's just last thing I want on my we, conscience. We, no, is somebody's yeah, not, you know, someone's going to, you know, <laughs> we're okay there. Yeah. yeah. I just, need um, to. so Jeff, so, so let's go back five years ago. Okay. What was the billing? What was the average billing for when a patient came? So, so five, five years ago, um, we signed a new contract with the government. Okay. So there's, we, there's we, a contract that the general practitioners have separately from other doctors or all. all yeah. Yeah. So each doctors. specialty group will negotiate okay. to the doctors of BC. Okay. Right. With the tariff committees in the government. Okay. okay. So, um, so you're part of, you're part of this pool. Do you, how many, do you know how many GPs there are in British Columbia? I think it's about 10,000 doctors, right? Uh, how many GPs? Hey, I can't put my yeah. finger on exactly how many. Yeah. So, so you guys negotiate so with the government. We negotiate with the government. And, and, right? and it's on a certain term, five years or something like that? Yeah, it was a five-year contract uh-huh. and we got 0.5% a year. Increase. Right? Increase. Okay. 0.5%. a year. Right. So it's way below inflation. Way below Way below. So I mean, in real dollars, you're actually billing less than you were five years ago. In real and in real dollars, real dollars, very much. Never mind so. the fact that your tax rates have all gone also gone up. Very much so, right? So you're going and, backwards, not forwards. And I think the challenges the doctors of BC face are that um, the Society of General Practitioners and uh, uh, I'm, uh, they try their best to represent us well, but they often come back with saying, you know. We don't have enough money, right? The government does not have enough money. And uh, I, I think the healthcare pie for the province, when you look at family doctors, right, GPs, mm-hmm. uh, uh, incomes, it's, uh, it's a very small percentage of that healthcare pie. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you were starting off again, fresh right out of uh, medical school, hmm. Would you still be a GP? I mean, I don't know why you would. Would you, or would you go into some kind of specialty? I mean, at least. I, 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 I don't know if, uh, <laughs> you look, at, it's nice to, to uh, you know, to have a, a good middle class income, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think with the, uh, and there's always hope, I think, that <laughs> the fee schedule will, in, will improve, right? Yeah. I, I think there's been some good strides uh, most recently. Yeah. Uh, but it, 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 I, I never would even think about that as being a deterrent to go into medicine. That is this for the amount of training, yeah. the debt load when you come out of school yeah, of three hundred thousand dollars, yeah, right, and a family doctor that's valued right mm-hmm. at thirty dollars and change for a visit. I find it shockingly disturbing, right. It is. I had but, no idea actually it was but that. But I but I think still I guess I'm the type of guy that, you know, I was really following my heart and yeah. going into medicine because 
I love being a doctor. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. So okay. I, I would probably still do so. And my children, I would encourage them if that's who they want to be. Yeah. Right. To be the best doctor they can. Yeah. However, uh, you know, just like I alluded to the family five years ago that moved to Calgary, right? Yeah. It's pretty challenging, right? To, yeah. to, to make a go of it in the city on a family doctor's income. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's go back to five years ago. You guys had this, it, I'm assuming it was called a collective bargaining agreement to sure. CBA with the provincial government, which uh, five years ago would have been under the uh, liberal administration, under Christy Clark, Clark's administration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you guys negotiated a half percent increase. Was there any other upside to that renegotiated contract other than half? Like what, what else did you get? Did you get anything else that was unfavorable compared to the previous one? Do you remember? I think I could afford a, 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 a you know a, a, a extra a vente latte a day instead of a, a grande based on the new <laughs> new agreement. But it, so why, there, why did there, you guys there, sign that then? Like I guess well, one of the questions I guess I have is like, what yeah. do you mean you guys must have a lot of teeth? I would think. I, I mean you're yeah. you know ten thousand doctors strong and you are the core of our medical system. I mean nobody sees a specialist without going to GP. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was there representing you guys, I'd be like, hey, this doesn't work. Pulled out. I, I think so. Like that's right? the unions do. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure yeah. as hell the, te the, uh, the, the teachers the, and the nurses The union. nurses union sure yeah. wouldn't put up with that. Yeah, there's, uh, uh, stand corrected, but I think there's 40,000 nurses and 10,000 doctors. So there's a lot of power right. in, in the nursing union. Yeah. And uh, they Plus are you a guys union. Aren't technically we're, a union. We're, we're a professional body. Yeah. So I think the, uh, um, there's, there's never really any hostility shown towards, yeah. uh, and, and the government are bound by, uh, federal transfer payments and, yeah. and so much can go to family doctors, so much can go to other specialties. So we're, we're kind of in this bind that. Oh, so uh, the provincial government can't just arbitrarily, no. you know, say, okay, you know what, you guys are doing, you are getting no. underpaid. So we're here's the money in the pot from the feds to, Is that uh, right? to provincial healthcare. And here's how it should be distributed. Right. Really? Yes. Yeah. I thought, I thought healthcare was a provincial jurisdiction. Uh, I think the monies come from the, the federal Federals. government, okay. right? With stipulations. With stipulations. With terms. Okay. Yes, yeah. So so with respect to um, where we're at after this agreement, right, it didn't really give us any boost or catch yeah. up, right? Yeah. I would think there should be a lot of catch up, right? If, yeah. If I think I go back to 30 years ago, yeah. I was getting about $15 a patient Yeah, 30 years ago. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Right? Yeah. And then overhead was much different. I think yeah. the, the minimum wage was eight bucks then. Yeah. Right? Uh, everything was, was... Well, I guess I thinking of taxes, you're probably now also having to take on this uh, employer health tax now, right? Yeah, that applies to, I think, of uh, different clinics. And if you have more than one, your payroll does... Uh, supersede the five hundred thousand dollars, but right. that's another four percent tacked on. Yeah. So it doesn't really help us. Still a small, yeah. a small, smaller business. Yeah. 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 So if you look at the other, some of these other doctors, Ross, I'm going to pull up that list. I mean, uh, I I started doing some of this research myself. Okay. Um, so there's that uh, you know well-known blue book that comes out every year. Who the mm -hmm. top-paid doctors are. I actually pulled this data and started working through it. And here's my observation. If you took a, take a look at, like, at Ross, scroll down a little further to, like, maybe the top 30. I think it went up to the top 30. You'll see that, um, as we can obviously observe here, that basically all the highest paid doctors in the province are ophthalmologists. I mean, literally, you know, up to the top 30, there's probably only, like, five that aren't ophthalmologists, and the next highest seems to be cardiologists. And, I mean, yeah. the billings on some of these people, I mean, you look at this... Uh, Dan, Dandy Darman, uh, Dan, I'm sorry, sorry for pronouncing his Danda name. Danda Darminder Singh. Danda Darminder Singh. I mean, he's yeah. he's billing out 3.6 million a year yes. in billings. Yes. Um, so it seems to me like there's this massive disparity between uh, these GPs who are maybe on average billing, you know, 150 or mm -hmm. 200,000 a year, and then you got like. 10 mm -hmm. times that number for these specialists. Now, granted, I mean, they're mm -hmm. specialists. They mm -hmm. probably spent a ton of time trying to get to that level. But does it, it seems a bit odd, like, to me, that it seems, it seems like the, the system's a little bit out of whack. I mean, yeah. couldn't, couldn't you, I mean, if I could wave a magic wand, it, seem, it would seem to me it would make a lot of sense mm -hmm. to maybe have those people take about a 10 or 20% pay cut 
Mm-hmm. You know, ten. I mean, twenty percent pay cut on three million dollars. You're still making two point mm-hmm. seven, mm-hmm. and then you reallocate that to folks like yourselves. I mean, I'm not trying to pump your tires here, but I yes. mean, like I look at these GPs out there. I, they seem overworked, underpaid, and you can't find half of them anyways because, you know, there's so few available. Yeah, yeah. I, I think to share the wealth a little bit, and yeah. no disrespect, right? There's only, I, I teach at the university, and there's, I think, only three uh, three new ophthalmologists entering the province, right, yeah. in, in their residencies of five years. Yeah. We go two years. Right. So there's more training, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but isn't the ophthalmologists themselves the ones who kind of decide how many new ophthalmologists come into the market? I, I think you, you have to look at ophthalmologists are, are typically clinic or hospital based, right? right. And uh, they do quite well with respect to some of the surgeries such as cataracts, which yeah. over the years with the with, uh, technology and laser and things, it's become a, a much quicker procedure than sure. it, it was 20 years ago. Yeah, I'd make so, the argument that I think so, the reason you see radiologists and ophthalmologists doing so well mm-hmm. is largely because they've been benefactors of, of technology advances. Hugely so. And it's not right? really anything they've even done. They just, they won the lottery. They picked the right <laughs> <laughs> Well, Well, you know, good on them, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, but um, I, I think uh, my opinion would be to say... Uh, Maybe there could be a little bit of sharing, yeah. but we're so far off, right? Yeah. And when, when you look at a family doctor or a clinic doctor in an urgency center, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of money that we're going to save the system, yeah. right? It's totally fiscally responsible to have urgent care centers, yeah. right? That operate on $30, $40 a visit to the doctor yeah. versus... Those patients, right? Yeah, having to go to the emergency, sure, and costing the system way more, probably eight hundred dollars, thousands of dollars, right? Yeah, sure. And they have to be seen when they go to the emergency. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So to to look at the the value of the family doctor and how the family doctor can be fiscally responsible in working yeah. in the, the 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 medical system. Yeah. For sure, if people all have a designated family doctor that knows them, yeah, right, yeah, sure, patients know where to go, yeah, and if that doctor is accessible, yeah, right, the patient should be able to be seen with within a day, yeah, and urgent problems that I would argue, I would guesstimate that probably sixty percent of emerge visits, right, in downtown yeah. Vancouver, yeah, are things that could be they're not trivial, they're important, yeah. yeah but they're not true emergencies, right? And they could be dealt with in the family um, doctor's office the next day or, or in the, in the, in the clinic. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, if I can summarize this is that you believe on a dollars per dollars basis, the current system versus a, you know, this sort of utopian system of many GP doc, GPs, other general practitioners, mm-hmm. that people would have a lot more access to them, so they wouldn't need to resort to going to emerge. And you'd, for the amount of money you'd actually spend an extra hiring these extra GPs, you'd more than save on all the people who are going to emerge, costing the system way more, and also free up that emergency environment for true emergencies. For sure. Okay. The family doctor has the patients records yeah. or the custodian of their, all their specialist visits, their lab tests, yeah. right? Of all the continuity of care. Yeah. And when a patient goes to the emergency, yeah. right? Yeah. There's still no way of communicating where even hospitals don't intercommunicate. They don't? No. So it's very difficult to get when a patient goes into an emergency with abdominal pain and yeah. they've had a history of that and they had an ultrasound and they go in at eight at night and they want to see that ultrasound from a month ago, right? Yeah. The family doctor has it, you see, but mm. I would think, right? Yeah. It would be confidential to allow hospitals, right? To see a care card patient and access that important information. Instead, often what has to happen is they'll order more tests, right? They'll order perhaps unnecessary tests that were most recently done because at that point of contact in the emergency, yeah, they need it now. The, 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 the merge doc uh, basically is working a pretty frenzied shift. Yeah. Right. And needs to know right now. 
right? Is this potentially more serious? Yeah. But that ultrasound we can't get. Yeah. Okay. But part of the and you can't get it because the you, system's you, you, not you, you, like the, it's the not, system's it's, not connected, it's right? Not connected. And I don't know right. when did well, you first have you your BlackBerry? Probably yeah. uh, two thousand, right? <laughs> yeah. But but it's been twenty years. It's boggling, right? Yeah. But then when you tell me that you got to fax everything, and maybe I, if you hadn't told me that beforehand, I'd probably be more shocked. Yeah. So and there's a problem. Is there any jurisdiction in the Western world, whether it's the UK, United States, somewhere, yeah. where the system does work from an, from an information sharing? you know, managing the risk uh, uh, and managing privacy, but also making it fluid so that if a patient did go into eMERGE, that eMERGE doc could pull that patient's file pretty easily. Is there anywhere in the world where that's working? That yeah, you know I think of? in Northern Europe and in Northern Switzerland, Europe? there yeah. may be uh, the other countries, uh, Hong Kong, yeah. different places, right? Yeah. Where, yes, they're more Singapore, where they're more tech savvy, right? Yeah. So I think Life Labs, we've probably all had you know, over the yeah. years some Life Lab results. For sure. There's something called My eHealth. Life Labs yeah. has done a commendable job, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe 10 years ago, uh, we truly started to develop, right? We always used to keep our charts all in paper, yeah. right? And uh, then we had to convert to electronic medical records, more yeah. than a scheduling system, but have all the patient notes, all the doctor's notes, all the test results scanned. We still scan things in because everything's faxed to us, right? right. But, but to have everything on, on paper, but to have that portal open to the patient, yeah. to have it on their phone, yeah. all their health, health records, yeah. right, would be ideal. Yeah. So yes, we can go to Life Labs and register at My yeah. Health yeah. and we can see all those things there, yeah. right? But the, the ideal where system where I know other, other countries do have this. Yeah. Let's take Switzerland, for example, but a patient can show you, we see a lot of the visitors from uh, servicing the downtown hotels, right. Yeah. Uh, as being a downtown clinic. Yeah. And, uh, I think p patients in general, right. Whether they're from anywhere in the world, right. From Sydney, Australia to, to, uh, to Hong Kong, to, to, uh, to, to London, England, right. They, they, they are very surprised, right. In that, wow. Uh, this system here, right. Is, behind the times with respects yeah. to, to IT communication and also a family doctor, a new family moves, they need a family doctor, they yeah. come and see me and they bring in their son yeah. and he has an ear infection, right? Yeah. I treat him, he comes back, right? Mm -hmm. It turns into something more serious where in my opinion, it's important to see uh, an ear, nose and throat specialist. Okay. There's one ear, nose and throat specialist for kids downtown. Okay. okay. I make some phone calls and with, you know, making two or three calls to try to squeeze the child in, I get him in within a week. Okay. But if I just fax a referral for that type of visit, it's going to be a couple months. Really? Yeah. It's going to be a couple months. So, so you have to, so, so you have to almost advocate on behalf of the patient to like, you have to be the squeaky wheel to get them. Andrew, it's a, it's a big part of the, I would say, unsustainability, right, of our current time, right? right. Yeah. The, the, some of the administrative um, uh, uh, protocol. Yeah. And also the, the, the fact that uh, we, we are short on so many specialists, right? So we're so, short on specialists too. Oh, huge. Yeah. You know, everyone talks I mean, about- is that why the, part of the reason why the ophthalmologists are billing so much? Because there's just not enough of them? I mean, that's where, as a market guy, like yeah. I, I, I'm such a big believer yeah. in just free market. Right? Yeah, like I yeah. look at it and go, oh, me, let's, me too. let's just I, I'm on the take same the shackles page. off. Yeah, take the shackles yeah. off. Yes. You know, yes. Let, let the system bill. If if way I see it is, the, I would assume mm -hmm. that one of the re reasons that you're not getting more people wanting to become GPs mm -hmm. is candidly because you don't get paid enough. And mm -hmm. if you're going to medical school, mm -hmm. you know, you've probably done a bit of research. And if you haven't, by the time you're in medical school, halfway through it, you're probably going, you know, from everybody I hear, if, you know, like being a GP is, you know, overwork, underpaid. And mm -hmm. even if I just do a small specialty, you know, I can, I can three X my, you know, or four X my income. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I, whereas I, if you I, just I, open it up and said, Hey, you know what, let's increase. But then I guess the, that's where you go into the, this sort of debate over two tiered billing. Right. Like, would you have thoughts on that? Like what? I, I think there's a huge burden. Right. Uh -huh. And it's 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 a it's a it's it's pretty much a crisis situation. And, mm -hmm. and how do we uh, deliver? Right. 
the best possible quality and accessible healthcare yeah. to to British Columbians. Right. Right. Yeah. And in, in, in Vancouver, with a fastly growing population, yeah. that's also very multicultural. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, a, a, an office visit with someone that speaks Korean and very little English takes twice as long. An eMERGE visit gets pretty complicated. So we have to often have translators. Okay. Right? Right. In our heyday, I had a, a multilingual staff that spoke about seven different languages to cater to the needs of the international students. Was her name C-3PO? It's <laughs> <Maybe. Yeah. laughs> impressive. <laughs> yeah, there's Google Translate yeah, now. Maybe, yeah, exactly. or maybe I'll be replaced by artificial intelligence in a, 10 years, right? But, um, you know, not nothing takes away from a face-to-face -face yeah, visit, yeah. right? So, so, so two-tiered. So, would you, would you would, support that? Do you like the idea? Well, I think it already is multi-tiered, right? Uh -huh. yeah. So here, here's a quirky example, right? Yeah. The fee schedule yeah. for an adult. If you have a wart on your foot, right? Yeah. If you have a genital wart, if you have a wart on your nose, right? Yeah. We can put through uh, 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 that visit of $35 on, on the, uh, the fee schedule, right? Okay. So the care card covers that. Yeah. But if you have a wart on your hand and you're shaking hands with everyone, spreading it around, okay? Yeah. We have to charge the patient a reasonable fee, right? For treating that wart with liquid nitrogen. Okay. okay. So the fee schedule in itself, right? Yeah. Is full of all these somewhat gray areas of, you know, what does the care card cover? Right. It doesn't cover everything. I and see. of course, physiotherapy, right? Yeah. Um, optometry. Yeah. Uh, chiropractory. Sure. Registered massage therapy. Yeah. Acupuncture. None of that's covered. None of that's covered. No. And if people have uh, a workplace with extended benefits, yeah. right, they're pretty happy. Yeah. Right? They're yeah, pretty sure. happy. So, so under the care card, uh, it, it doesn't cover a lot of things. Of course, we know it doesn't cover cosmetic things. Yeah. But the, the fee schedule, I think most family doctors would agree that it's not just putting in this 0100 visit with the billing code and having 32 bucks come through to you two weeks later, right? Yeah. There's all these little nuances, right? One of the problems is this. If a physician, let's say I see a 50-year-old man, he comes in with chest pain, right? Okay. It's pressured. He's never had anything like this before. It's radiating into his jaw and his left arm, and it gets worse with, with, with walking, okay? He woke up, he got up, and he said to his partner, you know, I think I better go to my family doctor. Okay. okay? Yeah. So he got, comes in to see me in the, in the medical clinic, right? I see him that morning. Uh, if there's a little bit of a wait, I, I, I triage him. I see him right away. I spend a half an hour with him to properly, right? Yeah. Make my diagnosis, yeah. treat him, give him some nitroglycerin under the tongue. And I end up phoning the paramedics and they're there within three minutes from St. Paul's and uh, have the oxygen on him. He's all prepared to go, right? So for that, that visit, let's say the complexity of the visit, yeah. uh, as well as uh, um, triaging the patient, yeah. falling behind in my, my, other, yeah. my other patients, uh, and, and seeing him for a half an hour, yeah. I, I bill... 30 odd dollars to the system with 50% overhead. It, it, it's see, amazing. That's a the huge. The guy who paints our house is making more money than you are. <laughs> <laughs> that scenario. It's unbelievable. So, but, and I think if there were family doctors, you'd keep a lot of the chest pains out of the clinics in the merge. So we, we wouldn't yeah. have to have these half hour visits yeah. because an annual preventative physical exam, yeah, right? Sure. In a 50 year old man with high blood yeah. pressure is a very good idea, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, preventative medicine is yeah. best, yeah. right? Uh, in, in the in the hands of the family doctor, yeah. right? And and we again, so, we it's, it's fiscally responsible medicine too. Sure. So everyone should be happy. The government should love us, yeah, right? So we need more family doctors, yes, right? Um, we're either going to get there, it sounds to me, by putting more money into the system to 
really encourage young people who would be great family doctors to think about that as a profession as opposed to something else. That's correct. Is that a, would you say that's a fair statement? I think it is. Okay. And, uh, or, or if the government's not willing to put more money into the system to up the billing rates for you as a publicly paid servant, so to speak, mm-hmm. that you allow guys like yourself to bill privately so that you can do it yourself. Yeah, you, know, I, you could. I, I think, but you can't do that today, right? You you can you can do that, right? You, uh, you can. There, you you can. There's uh, there's there's Copeman Health, right? Okay. And there's there's areas where you can have an umbrella fee yeah. for uninsured services. So okay. some of the cosmetic things. Yeah. Uh, but you you can't charge a patient to you know an extra thirty bucks to have an extra twenty minutes with you. You see? Right. Okay. So, but by by working in a hybrid system where you're doing some cosmetic work. Um, uh, if you have an in-house physiotherapist, yeah. some of the uninsured uh, in-house psychologists, for example, yeah. um, a kinesiologist, some of these uninsured ser- services that are part of your team, yeah. like a, 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 like a, a Copeman or formerly yeah. Medicis or in Toronto, yeah. there's many more centers, right? CanMed, okay. right? Okay. You'll, you'll truly have an executive program okay. where the doctor's, uh, instead of seeing 40 a day, probably see about 15 a day. Okay. Right? But they get proper care and treatment. They get they're proper getting, care and treatment time and like it was when I was starting medicine right. 30 years yeah. ago. You would sit down, you would do a proper annual physical, you wouldn't rush it through. Yeah. Right? But it sounds to me like you got to really navigate the waters to run a practice like that today because it sounds to me like you can't, you just can't carte blanche say, I'm now a private GP in Vancouver. I'm not billing through MSP. Um, no. If you want to come see me, here's my rate. I charge, you know, hundred bucks a visit. You can't do that today. No. So the Canada yeah. Health Act, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it states that uh, all healthcare in Canada, Quebec is an exception. Yeah. Because uh, they've opted out. But the Canada Health Act states that all healthcare in Canada should be uh, uh, equal opportunity for all people, right? So people shouldn't pay more for better service or, right. or a quicker accessibility to, to specialists or tests, yeah. right? And uh, that healthcare should be of quality and be of equal accessibility, Yeah. okay? So what's been happening, we have a real champion, a real maverick, a real, uh, I think an amazing human being, his name is Dr. Brian Day. Okay. That's been challenging. Where's he based? Uh, he, he set up Camby surgery a number of years ago. Oh, yeah. And is a, yeah, yeah. a world-class doctor. I've been there Brian Day, a couple yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. A world-class orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. Right? That's to, truly committed, right, yeah. to the betterment of, of health care yeah. in not only Vancouver but in our country. Yeah. Formerly uh, head of the Canadian Medical Association. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's a, an ongoing trial that will be, I think, wrapping up here before Christmas. Yeah. And it is a, tra- a trial where Brian Day and his team, a class action suit of a number of patients, yeah. uh, where they felt that uh, health care and outcome was jeopardized by the long wait list, right? Okay. For different surgeries in the province. Okay. So here's an example. A patient, true example needs knee surgery, injures his, uh, his left knee uh, on the job site. Okay. So he's covered under the, the, the WorkSafe, okay? WorkSafe will accelerate that, will get an MRI very quickly, okay? And will get him to surgery very quickly with a top surgeon, okay? Okay. So that process for one of my patients... Uh, under the, the, the work safe job injury where they wanted them, they're motivated to get them back to work. Yeah, right? sure. And yeah. anyone that has a health problem has to miss work. It costs the province money. Of course it does, does yeah. right? So the patient then is able to get his surgery within a week, I believe, and is back to work, rehabbed. But work. through the public system or we got their surgery through a place like Camby? It, it, it uh, yeah, but it was accelerated through Camby. Okay. And I believe uh, Dr. Day and his, his, his excellent team, right, uh, uh, of, of surgeons at Camby Surgery, yeah. uh, only 10% of their surgeries are private, right? right? 
like would, cosmetic kind of like wouldn't or, be. or would be people that were from a different jurisdiction or okay. or, or out of country. Yeah. Uh, see, most of his patients are things like work safe visits. Yeah. We, right. Yeah. Most people have work safe. I got my nose surgery done at Canby. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I was told I could wait. I don't know what the wait time was like a year and a half. Yeah. I had my nose broken like four or five times over my youth. And okay. it was all crooked way before you and I met you. It was a very crooked <laughs> nose, and it was and yeah, I, it couldn't, I could good. basically yeah, I, could basically, I basically couldn't <laughs> well, breathe, breathe out of the left nostril. Yeah, or I could pay, and I don't remember the number was like fifteen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and then the balance, of the actual surgery, what I was told was paid for by MSP because this was a you know this was yeah. an ex, uh, this was a, an expense that uh, would be considered a medical you know a legitimate medical expense because it was true I couldn't breathe, out. and then I, so that's why I went through Camby. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like you went through there to get things done. Right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the, the, the fees are not exorbitant, right? I can yeah. say that, right. Yeah. You're not going to pay for the knee, uh, this example. So then the patient, you know, five years later injured his right knee, the other knee. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then he had to go through the, but, but co- not through work, not the, through work. Right. So first knee gets so, damaged through work. So when you, when you look at ICBC, yeah. you look yeah. at WorkSafe WCB, yeah. right? Yeah. I guess everyone says to prisoners, right? Right. Probably politicians. <laughs> but these I've people, always wondered about that, Jeff. Yeah, I, I I've always wondered, like, when it's, the premier... It, it, it is who you know. Pre- yeah. <laughs> like, does the premier wait in line with everybody else? Like, and John Horgan, mm-hmm. you know, has to, you know, get stitches done. Like, they, you know what I mean? Well, I, I, I was Is it whole, truly I, a universal? Everybody waits in line at the same amount of time. I don't buy. I don't buy it. We, we all we all uh, have connections, don't we? <laughs> I, I'm sure the Vancouver Canucks aren't going to wait no, no. W- wait around yeah. under the public system for an MRI of their knee. Yeah, even if it's sprained, right? No, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so the same patient, the same patient on the other knee. Yeah, uh, five years later has an injury skiing, so okay. it's not covered under WorkSafe. Yeah, it took him a year to get the surgery. On crutches for three months, lots of expensive physiotherapy, yeah, and uh, ended up getting the surgery and the the right repair. But the delay was a year versus yeah. weeks. Yeah. So now the th- argument this year is multi tit. Yeah. So yeah. So obviously, I, I mean, I think we'd all agree it's not an it's not a, a an obscure idea that if you hurt your knee like that, you sh- it should be fixed sooner than later. You, you, the sooner you can get that person back up and running. The better is for society and as on a whole. The problem that you, you know, the argument you're going to get is if we went to having everybody be able to just, you know, the highest payer can get the fastest service and, mm-hmm. and go to the two tiered system, mm-hmm. all the best doctors are going to leave the mm-hmm. public service system and, um, and the system basically starts to fall apart. Yeah. Right? I, I really think that is uh, not going to happen. Uh-huh. Right. I, I think we should treat doctors not like, uh, kindergarten students, right? We both have young kids, right? (laughs) So we are responsible human beings, right? I think most of us probably go into medicine because it's our driving force and our passion. And there's lots of sacrifice in life by the time you're 30 years old and you're out in practice, right? You're earning your your income, right? So so physicians uh, uh, are responsible individuals, right? We want to help people. Right. I, I've practiced many, many years and done nights and nights of call being up all night and yeah. done all this for pro bono. Right. 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 OK. Right. Uh, so are there so, times when you don't get paid? Are there? Of are there course. When I when visits I that you when have I sit and, home every night yeah. for an hour and a half completing yeah. my charts, making referrals to specialists. Right. That extra time outside yeah. of the face to face visit yeah. for every sort of. 10 minutes face to face, there's often five minutes, yeah. right? In your day yeah. that uh, you, it, it adds up over yeah. 30 patients or so that you're spending an hour and a half at night. Yeah. So I'm not paid for that. I'm not yeah. spa- paid to think through a responsible specialist referral. Yeah. Um, I'm not paid. Uh, typically, uh, I was doing a lot of call um, um, over the days. I, I went to many small towns and different yeah. places, but I wouldn't get paid when yeah. I'm working on the North Shore. You're not, was, getting, caught, you're not getting reimbursed for your gas. and No. You know. And even... Here's the thing that I think a lot they, of British Columbians they, don't... If I can just make a quick yeah, statement. Yeah, That I think a lot of people don't get. Um, you think about teachers. Now, a, a seasoned teacher today will be making easily $70,000 a year. Someone who's been... A te- how long have you been practicing 33 medicine? years. 33. 
if you were a 33 year practicing teacher, mm-hmm. you'd be making easily over 80,000, if not closer to a hundred thousand dollars a year with a pension. Exactly. And you get a golden pension, a guaranteed pension by the provincial government mm-hmm. that is rock solid. Yeah. Right. It was worth, we're in, in our terms in the financial industry would be described as a multi-million dollar pension effectively based on what the cash flow that you are guaranteed from that. Yes. Right. Yes. Like you, if you want to have the equivalent of a 32 year pension that you get as a teacher mm-hmm. in the form of an investment portfolio, mm-hmm. you need four or $5 million that you can invest in government bonds because there's zero risk for those people. Mm-hmm. They are getting their money no matter what, because the provincial government is paying it for it. And there's no, you're not going to have the Sears effect where all those poor people that worked for Sears got their pensions cut in half or ripped away altogether because it's the government of BC. If they don't have enough money, they'll just tax mm-hmm. us more. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, so you got somebody who's making a, you know, 80 to $100,000 income, no mm-hmm. expenses mm-hmm. and a pension. And mm-hmm. then a guy like you is working his ass off. Can't, you know, and you hear the teachers say the same thing you just said. Well, I don't get paid in the evenings to mark, you know, mark my exams. I don't get paid to be the PE, you know, to be the, the cross country running coach. Mm-hmm. And it's no knock against teachers, mm-hmm. but it blows my mind how there's such an, I feel like such an injustice between what teachers, I think, generally are fairly well compensated. They mm-hmm. think they got a pretty good program, especially when you take into the consideration that pension that they, they don't want to ever talk about that, right? When they're talking yes. about their yes. negotiations, they never mention the fact they get these golden pensions. And doctors, you don't get any of that. The nurses yes. get a pension. They get the same pension as the teachers. But you as a right. doctor are responsible for your own livelihood after retirement. And I think a lot of people don't get that. And it drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, a couple of things here. So there's a, you know, it, it helps a little bit, but there's a little bit of an RSP match that that goes on mm. to doctors. And there's a little bit of a longevity through the RSP. But it's nothing near a pension, right? Yeah. You know, you have to pay that back eventually, right? Yeah. So with respect to... Being a physician of thirty-three years, right? Do you get do you get to uh, bill more as you're more senior than uh, no, someone no, straight out of medical school? No, no, this is my wife's a lawyer, right? And yeah. we were first dating eighteen years ago, right? Yeah. Katie said, "Hmm, you know, so that new locum that's just starting, right, right. And, and covering for our summer holiday, right, <laughs> is on the fee schedule, same fee schedule as you. It would be me, me, like me and my law firm saying, oh, the, the days of articling, right." And being here now 20 years, I, w- yeah. I would be on the same uh, fee schedule or salary, right? So, so yeah, with, I, I, I hope everyone gets better with the devoted experience, yeah. right? We, yeah, we, sure. I think we gain wisdom after a certain <laughs> of amount course. of time of doing, you know, putting our heart and soul into our work, yeah. right? But the same fee schedule, right? Yeah. Of 30 odd dollars a visit yeah. for me versus, a, you know, an amazing uh, first year doctor. Yeah. Right. It, it, well, I guess it, you it, could you make the argument though yeah. that you should be able to triage. I think that's the word you use. Triage people a lot faster than someone straight out of school. So you could just have more patients. Like you could, <laughs> you know, like maybe you could see fifty a day or a hundred a day, whereas like a, a new a brand new GP could yeah. only see twenty. No, I don't think that that's the case. No. Well, I yeah, are, are we a little bit more astute and quicker and yeah. come to our uh, differential diagnosis quicker? Yeah. yeah, I think you can do that because the but it's not like the, the patient's going to talk any faster. No, <laughs> and, 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 and they still come in with multiple problems. Like, right. how can you you see them? Maybe I don't know. Is thirty dollars worth a, a two minute visit and 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 <laughs> looking at a rash? Maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but patients come, they wait, and they yeah. they see us. And, and they have a few problems, right? Yeah. And and we are engaged doctors, right? Yeah. We're, we're yeah. human beings. We, yeah. we don't turn them away because they've got a, a mole they, they, they want to show us, right? Yeah. So we try to do our best within about a 15-minute time frame. Yeah. Um, I think the old docs, too, we've discovered things called like voice-to-text and things like that. And the, the, the newer doctors are maybe making copious notes, but they're so fast on the computer. It's, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, they have that to their advantage. Yeah. But yeah. yes, experience. Can we see more patients? Yes. Is there a cap on the amount that we can see in a day? Yes. Oh, there is. Yeah. Yeah. We're the only province. We're the only doctors, family doctors in so British if you Columbia. you a long shift yeah. to try and help cover yeah. your mortgage payments, you can do that. Yeah. Say I wanted to help out with the kids, take a half yeah. a day off a yeah. week and maybe work uh, An extra, a, a like longer a long, shift a long and, Wednesday. and help service my patients till eight o'clock on yeah, a Wednesday Exactly. and see 60 a day. You can't do that. Can't do that. What's you, the cap? The cap, it, it works out to be of this 30 odd dollar equivalent yeah. uh, of about uh, 40, 40, 45 patients, I think. Okay. So that's a real busy day, Yeah. but there's days that I've had to see 60, yeah. right? 
or some of our doctors would sometimes be sick or they'd have to, uh, to, to leave a shift, right? Yeah. So, well, we can't turn around all those booked patients. Yeah. So I would see them, right? Yeah. And cover for my doctors. Yeah. But yeah, I always thought it would be nice to be paid yeah. full value, yeah. full value yeah. for patients if you wanted to see 60. Like a specialist or a busy ophthalmologist, I don't think there's problems in a yeah. busy clinic where they have all their nurses yeah. through the hospital system yeah. working for them. There's, there's zero overhead. Yeah. They often have a resident working with them yeah. that, yeah, they can work as a real team yeah. and see a lot of patients. Yeah. The billings go up as a result. Yeah. But family doctors can't afford, in general, to have a nurse practitioner yeah. at $60 an hour working yeah. for them because they're, Cause there's another, they're there's stuck another... on the same fee schedule. And just to be clear, the clinics are like you pay for everything. Well, I mean, I think people should also understand that. Like when I, if I were to walk into one of your clinics... Mm-hmm. The the magazines that are on the coffee table, the desks that are behind with receptionists, the receptionist, you, that's not being covered by the provincial government, right? No, no. You're paying for all that. I no, your- I, I think that, you know, responsibly, the, the doctors of BC, and the, the, the Society of General Practitioners and the division of, you know, these layers of, of, of uh, representation, the division of Vancouver yeah. um, are doing their very best to create family practice homes, right? Yeah. To to help us with our our, our massive overhead, right? Yeah. So there there is some some good steps being yeah. taken. Yeah. Right. But if we go back to saying, is the system multi-tiered, right? Yeah. Of course it is. Right. Okay. There's many layers of health just like the work safe uh, visit on the left knee versus right. the right that was skiing. Yeah. So right now and it's officially legal, right? Our government can, and they do, accelerate ICBC, accelerate work-safe patients, right. right? So why not open it up more, make yeah. it more robust? To me, it's 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 all the doctors aren't going to go to private care because they're probably going to make more money, right? right. And you yeah. can also legislate, right? Sure. That maybe the younger doctors, right, yeah. that are very highly trained. We have exceptional physicians and nurses and yeah. administrators in, in, in Canada, yeah. right? But open up the door yeah. to even just allow, right, right? Uh, a it, private hospital yeah. and to see how we can take the burden off yeah. this very, very uh, oh, <laughs> um, chaotic, right, yeah. healthcare system that's very hard to to yeah. fiscally manage. Yeah. It seems like Let, let's give Ryan Day and his team a chance, right? Yeah. I know I love there, it. There yeah. must be investors here. Yeah. Or even even open up uh, collateral um I guess insurance plans, right? Yeah. yeah. Where and this is not for the elite. Yeah. This is for the common the, someone who's working at a company and they've got a yeah. benefits package and the benefits provider might offer that so that there's more attraction to that job and Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. If I mean, it, I want my staff to be, I would, I would pay for it as employer. I would, I would put something in for that just to make sure that my staff can see someone like you faster, get dealt with more quickly and get back to the job. Yeah. I, I think there's some, some great things happening, right? Yeah. Like they're running the MRIs and the, the radiology so is department. Is, is this, are we heading there in BC or are I, we still, you, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see what the verdict is on, yeah. on Dr. Day's uh, yeah. trial as it comes to a close here soon. Yeah. And the judge will, responsibly deliberate over the next probably six months or so. Yeah. But um, I, I, it's all about quality, accessible healthcare. Yeah. Right. And, and, and if we can provide not for the rich, yeah. but for the, the average, right. Yeah. Canadian and Vancouverite, yeah. uh, accessible quality healthcare. Yeah. And if it's done privately yeah. And we allow perhaps uh, insurers to come in yeah. where we pay, I'm not sure what it would be, yeah. a couple hundred dollars extra a month yeah. to allow us to to have insurance for a ski knee injury or, yeah. or, or other types of problems that right now the waits are, are very long. You know, e- yeah. elective osteoarthritic, osteoarthritis hip surgery is, is, is approximately still about a year yeah. wait, okay? Yeah. And, uh, you know... Uh, the government are doing some good things to, to running the MRI machines. Yeah, getting those, you know, yeah, what, those late things. at night, a patient might be called to do a, an MRI at 11 p.m. on a Sunday night. And they say, great, it's only taken, you know, a month where it used to take six months or more. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we have choices in society. Yeah. Right. Um, so we're going to wrap this up because I know you got to go. Yeah. Um, but 
to sort of leave that kind of because I know you, before we started filming, you wanted to you wanted to make this a positive discussion, and I know I've been taking it down to the. It, but I've well, also I just I'm so critical of the whole thing. You know, I think it's a big joke. I think it, I think the here's the problem I see. I think that philosophically Canadians love this idea of universal health care that we all live in this sort of Shangri-La society where everybody gets equal treatment. But then people, when they get, when you ask them individually about their personal experiences in a healthcare system, they complain at nauseam, especially if they need anything of you know significance beyond just, you know, figuring out what's wrong with my cold, but actually getting a knee replacement or a hip replacement. And that's when I think there's a disconnect there. And I think mm-hmm. what you're, where you're echoing here, Jeff, mm-hmm. is that, you know, the reality is the system that we had that maybe worked 20, 30 years ago mm-hmm. doesn't, it's not working today. I agree. Guys like you are working harder. You're making less in real dollars. We're, we're not still on the fax machine, but, but we are actually. <laughs> right. yeah. And so, and so, so we need to, I think, you know, reality is someone in the government level has to bite the bullet here, campaign for the idea of, you know, there's got to be some money spent or some creative ways. You know, if it's not going to be about spending the government's money and taxpayers' money, then it's got to be opening up, you know, open up to suggestions on things like you've just alluded to. Like, yeah, you know, I think my sentiments are, are, are shared by, by most of my physician colleagues, yeah. right? Uh, we love medicine, but we don't enjoy working under the system, right? Yeah. We don't want to have waits so long, right, for our yeah. services, right? And when and we is see- this just to be sure, Jeff? Is this a decision that's made at the political level, or is it made at the health authority level, or is it made who? I mean, if it, who would have to make the call to change the system? To I think it uh, it uh, is it federal or it will probably be appealed if Doctor Day wins the the trial to open up accessibility yeah. and improve uh, Canadian healthcare through. Uh, 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 the options of, of, of private uh, yeah. paper service medicine. Uh, it may be appealed, I would think, right? Yeah. So we might be looking at a couple years until uh, I think through the judicial system, yeah. right, we can truly have a Canada Health Act that, yeah. o- that offers options to people, yeah. including uh, private pay, right. which will not be just for the elite and, and yeah. wealthy. Yeah. It'll better the healthcare system for all yeah, and uh, uh, the young doctors that are given maybe six hours a month sometimes in the yeah. operating room and they've trained for <laughs> how many years and they're 32 years old and they <laughs> want to be doing their profession yeah. and getting better at it. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to do it, that at six hours it, a month. It's hard to do that with, yeah. with hospital budgets and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and the fiscal constraints of, yeah. of running uh, a very complex. It's a big challenge for the government. Yeah. So I, I'd hope there be there would be a a leader. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would, uh, or maybe they've had a family health experience than themselves, right? Yeah. I think uh, 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 corporate wealth, uh, individual wealth, uh, look at all the support of philanthropy to yeah. our hospitals, right? Yeah. To Children's Hospital, St. Paul's, to VGH, right? Yeah. Those hospitals would not exist without philanthropy. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So let's say, let's allow some of that goodwill to go into private clinics. Yeah. To go into, to take down the wait lists. Yeah. Right. To allow physicians to spend 20 minutes with a patient instead of five with your hand on the doorknob. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So to me, it's a win, win, win all the way. Yeah. Right to allow Canadians to have choices yeah. and for our, 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 our wonderful country and, and government to work with doctors and the citizens of our country to provide the best health care that is accessible. I love it, man. You got yeah. my vote. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Stay healthy. Jeff, thanks for, before, by, before by the way, your, your nose looks great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do okay, well, a, little well, plug, a little plug for your, your practice. So you got sure. Stein medical clinics. You have three, are they all downtown? Three clinics, yeah. but we did uh, two and a half years, uh, get out of the, uh, the walk-in uh, um, uh, model. Yeah. And now, uh, so what uh, kind of patients do you tend to cater to? So, your, so, so now I have a, a boutique practice where I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much full, right? Okay. I work with a, a lovely uh, female colleague yeah. and a nurse practitioner, and I'm located just across the street from the art gallery. I'm interested in sports medicine, a former ski team doctor. Yeah. Uh, so I do a lot of sports medicine, uh, 
trigger point type injections help uh, a lot of people daily with, with that aspect of medicine. Yeah. And in the last four years, um, one of my patients came back from Europe and had a very, uh, a very natural hair transplant. So yeah. I've been mentored in Madrid by one of, uh, I would consider one of the, the, the top uh, uh, hair transplant surgeons in the world. And I do now as part of my general practice and sports medicine, um, your hair's looking pretty good there, <laughs> but, 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 uh, hair transplantation, right. And yeah. it's a very minimally invasive type of, uh, uh, procedure that we get really wonderful results and it's very gratifying. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. great. And this okay. is your, this yeah. your website. So just to okay, thank clear, you. so Stein Medical, so Stein spelled S-T-E-I-N, yeah. steinmedical.com. Yeah. Jeff, this has been great. I, we, I could, uh, next time, uh, we got a book uh, like uh, three hours. This okay. would be, we got really, this Thank has been you, fantastic. Right? So let, look at, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, 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 I need to use the healthcare system. My children do at times. Yeah. And uh, I think we should all be concerned in how can we provide the, the best quality healthcare to, to, yeah. to, to, to Vancouver, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Thank okay. you, Jeff. Thank yeah. you very yeah. much. Thanks. Really appreciate okay. it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. That was great.